show that we record i had I, that expectation IMDb. i had that expectation <laughs> with week one and here we are well then i'm episode 57 or something like that no notes from you no i got it all up here <laughs> with everything else i have to remember and we know that that's not much This is why I tell you to write down everything. Do, do you have notes? I do have notes. Did have you write the, it down during the movie? I have the questions in front of us, and uh, I did a bunch of research for our topic today. Well, good for you. <laughs> I'm actually really excited to do this one. I should note for our <laughs> audience so. that we uh, watched this movie twice, not because we had to, but because we wanted to. <laughs> also, we had to. But also, we had to. But also, we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Or did we? But we did. Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the podcast where we attempt to take bad movies seriously, treat them as they should be treated, and inside every bad film we believe is an overlooked piece of art waiting to be revealed to the world. I am Nigel from com, and with me, as always, is my wife, Caitlin. Hey! And this week, we're talking about the 1988 film, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. If that name doesn't give away how great this movie is, then you... You don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know. And that cover art. Cover yeah. art? So, first of all, let's just talk about the fact that, like none of the people on the cover look like people in the movie. No, not even in the least bit. I want to know the story behind it. Because also, what is that hand? That's the imp's hand. Did it really look like that? I don't, I don't feel like it did. I don't think we ever saw his hand. I don't think we did either. <laughs> I think we only saw his face. Yeah. And the tagline for the movie is, In a bowling alley from hell, there's only one way to score. That's not accurate at all. No. Okay. So looking at this poster, you would not think that it's about a magical imp that is granting wishes that turn sour. Kind of a monkey's paw situation. Right. You would think that this was... Honestly, looking at the trailer, it kind of looks like a bunch of women are just beating the snot out of a bunch of nerds with yeah. bowling balls, chains, and a, a paddle. But also a giant hand is coming to get them. Well, yeah, 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 because they're possessed. It's a, it's The demon hand means that they're possessed. Right. Okay, sure. I mean, that's what I would assume. Okay. I couldn't tell what she had behind her back in that photo, but I see yeah. it now. Which, I ironically, 
is not the same letters they used in the movie. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone in this movie actually picks up a real bowling ball. No, they do, the, because yeah. they crush that girl's head. Yeah. And you do get your head put in a bowling ball cleaner, so... Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Anyways, if uh, you need to look up the tra- the poster for this, because... This movie was supposedly sold on the poster alone. Like, they didn't have a script written for it yet. They just had a poster. You know, I feel like that's how all the best movies are made. I feel like we need more movies today made like that. Like, hey, I got this poster. Write a story (laughs) that conveys this. Yeah. That's what you would do in, like, creative writing in English, right? Like, they would show you, like, a... A photo and then tell you to write a story based off that photo. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably about so, right. That's how we get good stuff. That's one <laughs> way to get stuff. <laughs> uh, this movie is directed by David Dakotu. I'm going to assume I'm pronouncing that right. And written by Sergi Hassanex. Sergi did not do anything else in, with his life, but David Dakotu, Dakotu, I don't know. He did a bunch of stuff. He has 171 credits on IMDb, which is wild. Anything recognizable? Um, so, I mean, we recognize he did um, Nightmare Sisters. That was kind of our introduction to him. Right, yeah. And these three, well, not really Linnea Quigley, Linnea Quigley, uh, but Brink Stevens and Michelle Bauer. That was our introduction to them, and that was interesting. Um, he did the third Puppet Master movie. He did, actually, he did a movie that I really want to watch. Beach Babes from Beyond. Here's why I want to watch this. He it, This has several siblings for famous actors. So it's got Joe Estevez, Don Swayze, Joey Travolta, and there's somebody else in it too. Joey Travolta, I'm sold. Right? You just want to see it for the siblings of these famous actors. He also did, he did another Puppet Master movie. Retro Puppet Master. Um, I think I saw that he did a bunch of, like, Lifetime comedies. But if you're asking if he did anything really well-known, the answer's no. Sounds about right. Um, A lot of generic posters with, like, copy... uh, Paris Hilton types on there. Um, Let's see what else. This is a very weird series of movies that he did. Uh, He did an Easter Bunny puppy. That'd be fun. Was that like a kid's movie? Um, He should not do kid's movies. Well, his name was Mary Crawford on there. What? That was his name? Okay, so get this. He had a movie come out called A Talking Cat. Okay. And then he also had a movie come out called A Talking Vampire, (laughs) or I'm sorry, A Talking Pony, and My Stepbrother's a Vampire, 
And Why I read are you it. like shouting it? <laughs> because it has the exclamation points oh and God. the question marks at the end of it. Oh, it is both a question and an excitement statement. Yeah, you're like it's like and it's you're exclaiming something, but you're All also right. befuddled. A husband for Christmas. Oh, we should watch that. That's going on the Christmas list. See, I was going to stop looking at this, but then like I saw that he did a bunch of the Christmas things. I was like, maybe we got lucky and I'm just forgetting that he directed one of those Christmas movies that we watch. But I'm not thinking that he did. Ooh, here we go. The wrong real estate agent. The wrong fiance. The wrong Mr. Right. The wrong Prince Charming. The wrong Valentine. Deceived by my mother-in-law. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. I think we have a new list of movies to watch now. I think we need to... I think our life goal should be to watch every movie that he's directed. I'm on board. This will just... This will become the David De... De... Go to cast or... I don't know. And then we can find a way to, like, connect them. You know, like, they have the Disney connection. What's that called? You mean the Pixar theory? Yeah, Pixar theory. Then we would have like Dakota theory or something. The Dakota verse or something. Yes. All right. So here, let Great me ask idea. you this question: what? Should we talk about the guy who voices the imp first, or should we save that for last? I think that's a good tease. We should save it for last. Okay. So this movie is uh, has Linnea Quigley in it. She is probably the most famous person in it. She's a What else queen. is she in? I'm getting there. Well, I didn't know she was famous, so now you have me intrigued. Well, she was in that 80s documentary that we watched. Mm-hmm. The part mm-hmm. two. If you haven't seen In Search of Darkness, parts one and two, and you love 80s horror, go watch it right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to need eight hours to watch both parts, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Uh... She was in Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Demons, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Graduation Day. Oh, I want to watch Day. that. Yeah, I want to watch that and the other one, too. Uh, she was in, uh, crap, what was that? She did, like, a workout video with, like, a bunch of monsters, like, Linnea Quigley's w- workout. Um, Taurus Trap. She's uncredited in that one. My bad. She was in Savage Streets with... Um, with Linda Blair. Let's see. So she's in a lot of stuff. So she is, uh, for all intents and purposes, one of the Scream Queens from the 80s. She was in, she had a brief cameo in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. She's in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers with Michelle uh, Bauer. So, you know, not great stuff. She did a lot of things with Kevin Tenney, and we have not watched many of his. Well, we've watched like three of his movies, but we haven't talked about them on here. We were going to. <laughs> Our life has just become watching. At first, we started watching bad movies for the podcast. We have to do this for the podcast. And then somehow our life just became us watching an insane amount of bad movies and not even talking about them, but thoroughly enjoying our time watching them. Right. So for people who ha- listen to this podcast on a regular basis and you're wondering, why did it take so long for the last couple episodes to come out? Life. Life happened. Lots of stuff happened. 
we still watched bad movies through the whole thing, <laughs> but we just never sat down to talk about them. Right. So if you're wondering where our podcast is on the video dead, because I just finished editing Return to Horror High, which said that we were going to talk about the video dead. It's not happening. I mean, it will, but... <laughs> I forgot about that. We watched that movie how many months ago? I forgot about that. Yeah. Anyways, so then... So the two other Scream Queens are in this. Brink Stevens, uh, she was in The Slumber Party Massacre and a bunch of other stuff. I'm not going to try to waste time on it. And Michelle Bauer, she was in a bunch of stuff. Uh, Demon Warp, Virgin High. Um, actually, she's kind of worth talking about because she's in a bunch of stuff with Linnea Quigley, too. The three of them were in Nightmare Sisters together. She was in a movie called Screen Test that's kind of hilarious. But you guys get the idea, right? Yes. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Night of the Living Babes. Are they alive? That's strange. Why would... I don't know. Anyways. And then the only... Two of the guys worth talking about, Andrus Jones, who played Calvin. He uh, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and Hal Havens is in a bunch of Kevin Tenney movies like Night of the Demons and Witch Trap. And uh, he was also, he had a small part on Parks and Recreation and <laughs> Westworld. And uh, did I say Night of the Demons? I mm-hmm. said Night of the Demons. So he was a lot of fun. Although Night of the Demons came out the same year as this. And he looks tiny compared to the other movies he yeah. was in. Even though he's still large. The um, guy who ends up surviving, he didn't go on to do anything? That's that's Calvin. Oh, okay. Keith is the one who really didn't go on to do anything. He gotcha. has like four or five credits to his name. Mm. So anyways, before we... Uh, Kaylin, I'm going to have you try to do a quick summary of this movie. But what? in a minute. Because I want to talk about Michael Sonia. Oh. The homeless the guy from later. Back to the Future is in this. <gasps> That's the best cameo ever. Yeah. It, Can you call it a cameo? Yeah, it's no, a cameo. No, it was a part. He was like a part of the movie. Yeah, but like, I feel like he's so famous and recognizable from being the homeless guy from Back to the Future that it's like a cameo. Let me burst your bubble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, this He was basically in two movies, Back to the Future and this. Um, Nothing else that he did was recognizable. He was in They Live... <laughs> As a drifter, so a yeah. little bit different than a bum. Uh, he was a kook in Starman. He's just really good at that. Kind you know of what? Work. You know, people they he has a niche. There's a need for that. So if you want to see, if you ever saw Back to the Future and you said, "Man, what is that homeless guy in?" Check out Sorority Babes and in the he slime is in this Bolorama. after Back to the Future. Too. Correct. Back to the Future came out before this. Mm-hmm. So anyways, Michael Sonia. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you might be hearing that name and you say, Nigel, that sounds really familiar. What else did he do? He wrote the screenplay for one of our favorite bad movies, Blood Diner. The 1987 
sequel slash remake of Herschel Gordon Lewis's film Blood Feast. But here's the weird thing about him. We learned something recently after watching Nightmare Sisters. He has this persona that he does called Dookie Flyswatter. And he is in a band called Haunted Garage where he is the lead singer as Dookie Flyswatter. And in Nightmare Sisters, he plays a swami named Omar, complete with a voice to match. It is very not appropriate. It is not PC. No. And it is not funny. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. After like two seconds, I was like, this scene has gone on too long. Yeah. Haunted Same. Garage also did the music for Nightmare Sisters. So then in this, in Sorority Babes, he plays the voice of Uncle Impy. The imp. And you know what he looks like? Who he looks like? Do I know what he looks like? No. I have no idea. We should pull up a picture. What do you mean you don't know? Well, we just know from that like weird shot of him in Nightmare Sisters. He looks like uh what's his face? Paul Shear. Yeah. He looks like Paul Shear. But if you look at like a normal picture of him. He looks like Paul Shear. He kinda does look like Paul (laughs) Shear. He kinda Are they related? Oh my gosh, what's his name? Crap, this is going to really annoy me. He looks like a cross between Paul Shear and, um, crap, what is his name? Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, you don't see it. You don't sound convinced, but I'm telling you. I just you, see Paul Shear when I look at him. He does have. He has a little bit of that going on, but you know, he like also like that's has, Paul Shear in a wig right there. Agree to disagree, I guess. <laughs> All right, cast your vote. Who does he look more like? Oh, he was the uncle in Blood Diamond too. That's weird. That. Is weird. He does not look like that. How did we miss that? I don't think that's accurate. I'm looking it up right now. I think you are full of lies. Full of lies. Not just... Anyways. Okay, we're getting too caught up on this. We need to talk about the movie. All right, let's talk about the movie. Caitlin, give us the Cliff Notes tweet of... This movie. I didn't know you were going to have me do this. This is why I asked you to do it. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Cliff notes. Um, Girls want to join a sorority, and they have to go through hazing. They end up breaking into a mall with a group of guys. Who are spying on them being hazed. Right. And while at the mall, they go to steal a bowling trophy, which they were there to do. They run into a girl who is also breaking into the mall to steal money from the cash register at the bowling alley. Who's really bad at it. Or good. I don't know. She never opened that cash register. That's... I did not even realize that. (laughs) (laughs) She just kind of stopped and started yelling at them. 
That's hilarious. I did not know that. Okay. Um, and then they break into the trophy room, steal a trophy. Trophy falls. Imp comes out of the trophy, as imps tend to do. You know, and, your garden variety uh, imp just right. jumping out of falling trophies. Right. <laughs> and uh, imp says, I will give you uh, a, one wish for letting me out. And uh, two of the members of the group are skeptical. The rest take them up on the wishes, gets their wish granted. Uh, and the two that are skeptical do not get wishes. And the girls who are in charge of the sorority show up at the mall. They do not get witch wishes either. However, they turn into the bride of Frankenstein and Lizard zombie girl. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they ran out of money for her costume girl. Well, they used all of the money, like I said, in that explosion, that car <laughs> flip at the end. Um, and so then, as imps do, the wishes turn sour and the imp creates a world of chaos for them in the mall in which only two survive. Was that a good summary? That was a pretty good summary. It's <sighs> a lot of pressure. Yeah. I think I got lost with a lot of the characters. I don't know how many people are in this movie, but you nailed it. Um, What do you want to know? There is three boys and three, four main girls... And three uh, already in charge of the sorority girls. There you go. Where did the seventh girl come from? There, So there were the three from the house. Okay. The girl who was breaking into the mall. Okay. And then the three who were in charge of the sorority. How many girls were trying to get into the sorority? No, in charge of the sorority. Right. You counted them twice. No, the girls who ran the sorority, the girls who were trying to get into the sorority, there's three of those. Oh, no, there's only two. <laughs> All right. There's three guys. I got thrown off, okay? <laughs> three guys, three girls. That's how life works. How many janitors? One. How many M's? One. Okay. <laughs> that was it. That was all the characters in the whole movie. <laughs> It's true. This movie had a very <laughs> low budget. I don't know why the one girl turned into the Bride of Frankenstein. It made no sense. Here's so The okay. imp just had like magical powers and he goes, I can see you looking at me through that camera. And he just like shoots them with his magical power stuff. And then they turn into the Bride of Frankenstein and uh, lizard girl face. Yeah. So, would you say that Uncle Impy's voice was a little racist? It was very racist. Okay. Dookie, fly swatter. Get it together, man. Well, it's it's been about 30 some odd years, so maybe... <laughs> maybe he has it together now. Maybe, I mean, you can't really get away with that. Now. What if that's his voice, though? We're, like, sitting here calling him a racist, but that's just how he talks. Maybe he's just going in and out of different characters, like he has some kind of weird dissociative identity disorder and he's just like i'm uncle Impy. now i am omar and like right. things like that who knows that would be 
wild. That would be wild. So in typical monkey paw fashion, the wishes go sour. Mm-hmm. But the way in which the wishes go sour is not, how would you say it, creative? No. It's very strange. For example, the one kid wishes for gold, and at some point the gold turns into wood, or it just takes them a long time to realize that it's wood. I think, was it in bricks? No, it was just wood. Just wood, okay. But there were gold bricks that turned into wood oh okay the one girl wanted to be prom queen right that's what she used her wish for so it should have gone sour because stupid wish yeah that's a dumb wish. that's what you idiot but like she was just you're dancing. not even at the prom <laughs> caitlin's not salty about that one no i don't care i just think it's stupid there's so <laughs> many other things you could wish for the but so the girl's dancing around and all of a sudden like her dress just turns into shreds. Yeah. That's her wish going sour. Now arguably, okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Keith wishes to have sex with Lisa and she turns into some kind of nympho, which why all of a sudden she needed to have lingerie on, like why the imp had to change her clothes i don't know but arguably that is not a wish that went sour he just got cold feet i guess but also she didn't get a wish that girl oh yeah yeah yeah. so because she turns into the sex maniac he no longer has or like she doesn't get an option for a wish anymore she Rude. couldn't say, I wish I didn't have to have sex with right. <laughs> Um, And then, okay, so let's, and then let's talk about the three uh, sorority girls real quick. All right. So there's obviously, there's the main girl, mm-hmm. as you do. And she has like some kind of weird masochistic thing mm-hmm. because she enjoys the paddling portion of the... Um, Initiation. Yes, the initiation, aka hazing, aka weird perversions. So, eventually, like later in the movie, when she gets turned into one of the minions of the imp, she's like this weird dominatrix type. So, like he turns them into like what they what their personalities are. The one girl is obsessed with her skin, so her face turns scaly. I guess. And it's weird because you can see the outline of her normal skin. Yeah. The makeup budget for this movie was very small. I think a majority of the money went into renting the bowling alley, making the imp, and flipping that car. Yes. Yes. And even then... I bet they did their own makeup. That would not surprise me. No. And then the other girl was obsessed with her hair, so for some reason that means she turns into the Bride of Frankenstein. But her clothes also changed, so that was weird and her with makeup. that one. And her makeup. So that was weird. Mm-hmm. Was this movie consistent with the wishes? No. No. So, let's get into our questions, Caitlin. Oh, boy. So, actually... And okay, so we kind of talked about this a little bit 
in our Return to Horror High podcast. But I think this would be a good opportunity to really kind of dig in and address this as a topic. And that is, so like 80s horror definitely has its own flavor of horror compared to what's made today or in the 90s slash early 2000s. There's a little camp factor to it. And so the question that we need to ask is, like, how do you tell the difference between a bad movie and, like, a horror comedy? That's a good question. Are you asking me? Because I don't know the answer. Well, I thought we could open up okay, a dialogue yeah. about it. Well, I feel like you know the right answer, though. So I'm Well, I don't like... know the right answer. I, I did research, and all, this, is, this is the extent of what I could find. Lots of people saying horror and comedy are sometimes linked. Like, it was a lot of stuff about horror comedies, but mm-hmm. nothing about how can you tell when a movie is bad versus someone trying to make a horror comedy versus, like, a good horror comedy, I guess. Because you kind of have, like, a spectrum of movies in there. Right. I feel like... <sighs> I This is such a good question. I don't know. Okay. Well, because I just feel like if you have the reason why horror comedies work so well is because, I mean, I don't know, because I don't even consider this movie a horror movie. What is horror about it? The imp. It's not. It's just a funny character. Like, he could have been a Disney character if he talked more appropriately. The, like, the monkey's paw kind of aspect of the story whether it's done well or not is kind of like a horror trope of like you know wishing for something and it goes bad true true which that one show did a good job with that uh, the uh um creep show mm-hmm. tv show on shutter mm-hmm. where the girl went to the funeral home yeah that was good yeah if you guys aren't watching creep show on shutter i would highly recommend it um, okay, so I guess, yes, so it takes, like, I guess it draws elements of horror-like things and takes a comedic spin on them. Which is, like, a normal horror comedy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had more to say. <laughs> Well, then you made me second guess myself because you said that's like normal horror. No, comedy. no, no. I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm on on the same page. It's like I want to follow your train of thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, so it takes like those things and it and it turns into a comedic element, and I think that works so well, and we enjoy that so much because. I think we appreciate the level level of cliche that is the horror trope. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate the comedic spin on it. And I'm going to stop talking because I'm not really sure anymore. <laughs> um, okay. Would you consider this movie to be a horror comedy or would you say that this is like a bad movie? I think this movie was created to be a horror comedy. You think so? Yes. 
I would agree with that because there are a lot of things that happen that are very... There are things that happen that are almost too silly to be accidentally bad. Like when they're in the closet, when Spider and... um, I want to say Keith, but it's not Keith. Also, the person's name is Spider. Well, I mean... Spider does sound like the name that like someone would say, oh, we're going to give this like hardcore chick. Edgy person. Yeah. Like we're going to give this edgy person a name and Spider. And she got a spider tattoo on her arm. But when Spider and Calvin. She doesn't have a spider tattoo. It's an S. Oh, yeah, she has an S. An yeah. S for Spider. Right. When Spider and Calvin are in the closet and she says, I need a weapon. He hands her a broom first. Right. And then she goes, that's not going to work. And he pulls a gun off the shelf that's just been sitting there. Like, that's very funny. Right. And that's, like, who does it? Like, right. no reasonable person says, oh, here's a gun just laying on a shelf in a bowling alley. Like, right. That's... So I do, but, okay, here's another question for you. How many of our other movies that we've watched do you think are actual horror comedies? Like, I don't think Chopping Mall is. I don't think Chopping Mall was meant to be a horror no. comedy. No, I think it was supposed to be a good movie. Um, and I and I, after listening to the director talk on Blood Diner, I don't think Blood Diner was supposed to be a horror comedy either. But I think she she was aware she was that having it was fun with yes. it. But I don't think she set out to make a horror comedy. I think she wanted to make a a more light horror movie, but I don't think it was supposed to be a comedy. Maybe it was, though. Maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. I would need to go back and listen to what she said about it. Um, well, I'm trying to think of the other movies I did. What about Terror Vision? Terror Vision? I, no, I don't think that's supposed to be a horror comedy. You don't think that's supposed to be a horror comedy? No, do you? I do, actually. Okay. Um, what makes you feel that way? Uh, I think, like, the boyfriend in that movie, he's just kind of goofy. Um, I guess the sex theme of it, too. Yeah, because sometimes, like, and this is the thing that I think is hard with a lot of 80s movies, and I think it's the reason why a lot of movies from that era are pushed into the bad category when they're really comedies, is because there's, like, that weird line between, like, being campy and being intentionally funny. Yeah. Um, now, Sp- Spookies, I would say, is a bad movie. Yes. They set out to make a genuinely scary movie. And failed. And failed miserably because of all the nonsense that was happening with it. How about Killer Workout? I know we didn't do that one, but... No, we did do it. On our podcast? Well, I haven't edited it yet. Okay. So. We talked about it. Yeah. Uh, I think Killer Workout was supposed to be serious. Okay. Because there's nothing intentionally funny right. in that one. I agree. Um, Jack Frost, maybe a horror comedy. Yeah, I would put that in the horror comedy realm. Urban Legend. Urban Legend was supposed to be serious. Birdemic and Troll 2 were supposed oh, to be serious. Oh, my. Plane 9 from Outer Space was supposed to be serious. Valentine was supposed to be serious. Yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, horror comedy. Yes, for sure. You would have to make a horror comedy. 
yeah. with that idea. Now, I was asking Clayton about this, and he brought up a really good point. You know, you, I think something else you got to take into consideration is some movies start as serious in the case of like Sleepaway Camp, and then the sequels are more horror comedy because they're playing into the tropes of the whole thing. Right, right. Especially Sleepaway Camp 2, which we really need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of have the tongue-in-cheek references to other horror icons. Right. Um, New Year's Evil, I think, is supposed to be serious. Cool World? Cool World was supposed to be serious. That's a great movie. Um... Okay, the remake of Plan 9, I think they were setting out to make an intentionally bad movie. Because I think there's like there's like this weird thing that happens happened with horror where 80s, like yes, they were a little campy. They were a little over the top. But there's nothing wrong with that. And somewhere in there you have bad movies and you have horror comedies that kind of overlap with the style of the 80s. But then as you kind of move into today, I feel like so many people are trying to recreate that feeling of being from the 80s that it just comes across as intentionally bad. And as we know from experience on this podcast, we do not like when movies are intentionally bad. No, like Things Killing. Yeah, like Things Killing or Plan 9, like the remake of Plan 9. They're like I liked it. You liked the remake of Plan 9? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely better than Thanks Killing, but you could tell that they were trying to intentionally create a bad movie. Um, it's like they were trying to update Plan 9 from Outer Space while also, like, being intentionally yeah. campy yeah. or, like, bad with it. Yeah. Okay. So what was your question? Uh, what, what is your thoughts on Grease 2? Do you think they were trying to make a good movie? I think Grease 2, they were trying to oh make a good my. movie. Oh, my. Well, come on. Because I had a similar thought with, like, Garbage Pail Kids. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was supposed to be a good movie. I think it was supposed to be. <laughs> I would say Battlefield Earth, that was supposed to be a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Wicker Man was supposed to be a good movie. Mm-hmm. I would say every romantic comedy that's on here was supposed to be good. Oh, for sure. I do think Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was probably yes. a parody. Yeah, for sure. And I don't remember if we talked about that or not. I don't know. But it's great, nonetheless. Yeah. Book of Shadows, that was meant to be... That was meant to be serious. The stuff, I think, was meant to be kind of a horror comedy. Yeah, I need to rewatch that one. The stuff? Mm-hmm. I used to know the jingle off the top of my head, but now I don't. See, you need a rewatch. I don't know. I feel like I've watched enough stuff in my day to... <laughs> you know a movie we should watch, though? What? Brain Damage. Um. Oh, yes, yeah, I remember, yes. The kid, he's mm-hmm. got the like weird worm thing attached to his head. Yes. I'm also looking forward to Frankenhooker. Oh, yeah, that's what we're watching this weekend. So excited. Yeah, this is going to be great. Um... Okay, so we I just had a lot of thoughts that I just want to <laughs> talk about. So, um, older films like, um, like, like uh, how the old? Because these are technically old. The Blob. Like the original. Yes. Okay. So nineteen fifties. I think. Um, let me double check. 
Um, so films like that, I'm drawing a blank on the other one I thought of, but films like that, uh, those were definitely 58, 58. Okay. So those are definitely supposed to be scary movies. They were, it was made to be a scary movie. I always assumed it was because, but I, you got to think that even like horror wasn't really a respected horror, even science fiction weren't really respected genres until, uh, I would say fairly recently. Uh, yes. So that was my kind of next thought as I was thinking about like, you know, 1950s horror movies. Uh, would you consider like the original King Kong more of like a sci-fi thing? No, I mean, that's technically, I mean, it's a monster movie, so it would fall under the umbrella of horror. Horror? Okay. Yeah. I mean, just because I think the thing that people, a misconception that people have about horror is like, if you say horror, they're like, oh, somebody's getting stabbed or everything. But it's like, no. like. Well, I I just wondered because it had some like um, outery space elements to it. In King Kong? Godzilla? Well, I mean, some of the Godzillas yeah. have space elements, so those would be kind of like sci-fi. Like a mix of the two? Yeah. Okay. Did I say King Kong? Because I did originally, say King I Kong. originally meant Godzilla. I was like... I originally meant Godzilla, but whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, so, so thinking about those movies, um, I wonder when the first horror comedy or when comedy first started getting into horror took place uh so technically uh i was just looking at this the earliest uh horror comedy example now look this is all from wikipedia well trusted so take it with a grain of salt was the ghost breaker and it was based on a play and then One Exciting Night by D.W. Griffith was supposed to be a horror comedy as well. Okay. While the film included comedic blackface performances, oh. Griffin also included footage of a hurricane for a climactic storm. So, but then you also have other movies like, uh, I would say that, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Those, um, I, th- as far as I know and my knowledge, like that was like the first like mainstream horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when they combined, you know, funny people with, uh, the universal monsters, which st- that was in 1948. Mm. So that's kind of the, origins of horror comedy okay that's kind of surprising that it took that long or no like i feel like you said what year again 1948 yeah so i feel like i would have said honestly like the 80s (laughs) (laughs) well they had they had giallo parodies as early as the 60s parodies yeah of giallos really yeah Okay. There's one that's called like something the something cat with shoes or the yellow shoes or something. It's like a giallo parody. Interesting. So, 
And you know, Giallo shares a lot in common with horror, so right. That. Okay. So I think you know you have. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything earlier than that, but it's just interesting to note that there that horror was even being parodied as early as that, and and mm-hmm. I'm sure that kind of like what this uh, po- what this post is saying. Um, Uh, the there are probably plays that were horror comedies that they did before crazy. that. But I mean, if you're just looking at movies, then you know. That's well, that's just still crazy. I just I feel like that wouldn't have started so early, but I guess horror and comedy have always gone kind of well together. Well, yeah, because you think about it, you know, some people, whenever they get done screaming, their first reaction is to start laughing. True, true. Because that comforts them. Right. During that. So, I guess the um, interesting thing here is um, that if you are watching a film, like, for example, if you are just a Joe Schmo off the street... And you put in, uh, I can't even remember the name of this movie, the Shorty Babes in the Slime Bowl Bolorama. Close enough. <laughs> um, if you put in this movie and you're just Joe Schmo, do you think they would expect a good horror movie and then be disappointed by what they got? Or do you think they it's easy to spot movies that are intentionally bad. Do you know what I'm asking? Yes. So first of all, if you're Joe Schmo and you put this movie in and you expect a bad horror or a good horror movie, that's on you. You (laughs) should know from this title that this is not going to be a genuine horror movie at all. Right. Now, are you going to think that it's bad or a horror comedy? Mm. I don't, I don't know. Cause I do think that, because of the time period that it was in with the 80s that uh that it would be very easy to confuse the two Mm -hmm. because there's a fine line between horror comedy and being campy Mm -hmm. which a lot of 80s horror movies were and that's why they were so awesome yeah i would love to have this conversation with like two or three more people I feel like I'm just not good enough. Not no, 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 no. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like our expertise is so limited. Yeah, it would just be really interesting to get other perspectives. Uh, yeah, like Clayton, I would love for Clayton to be on this. Yes, and I did text him, but none of his points came up. Oh, so disappointing. I was thinking, you know, we should figure out a way to like Skype him in or something. Or, yeah, I don't know. But I just, especially it'd be interesting to see, to talk to someone who hasn't watched all the same movies that we have. Because mm-hmm. you and I are like, same page all the time with these bad movies. Right. But. Like get, like David on here. Oh man. David would be good. Uh, Bailey would be good. And Clayton would be good. That would be a fun little group. We should, we should. Make we that should happen. set that up. That, that could be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I think we can make that happen. Yeah. You got Clayton, who's like a horror expert. You got Bailey, who enjoys the horror films. 
and does not enjoy the comedy horrors. And does not enjoy bad movies and does like not she enjoy used to. Bad movies. Um, and then you have David, who probably hasn't seen 98% of these films. Yeah. Probably like 99.9% of these films. Yeah. David's too busy rewatching the same five shows on Netflix. <laughs> so that would be a lot of fun because then I would almost, uh, I wish we could show David some of the clips and then get, that would be a fun game. We would show um, clips of the film and be like, David, do you think this was just a bad horror movie or a horror comedy movie? That would be fantastic and then like why and then we could all talk about it boom it's happening yeah i'm gonna text everybody as soon as we get out get finished with this and we're gonna start setting it up let's do it um okay caitlin let's uh let's jump into a few of our final questions before we sign off because this episode actually went pretty long um do you think that this movie deserves more credit than it receives I guess no. like I guess like <laughs> let me ask you this question, okay? If you can you defend this as a good movie? Like if someone said, "Oh, that movie's garbage." Like how would you could you defend this movie to them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, but I loved every minute of it. Yeah. And I'm not like I and I know it was supposed to be a horror comedy. So you would think I would have more to defend there, but like it's, I'm willing to admit there's not a lot of redeeming qualities in this movie. It's kind of racist. It's sexualized. I mean, what movie in the 80s wasn't though? Right, right. right. Um, There's not that many fantastic kills or cool effects. This is true because... I forgot about the head and the ball, the ball polisher. Yeah. Like, until you told me. So it's not. It, you kind of remember the feeling of watching this movie, right. but you don't really remember the movie. <laughs> but I liked it, and I oh, enjoyed yeah. it. And, I enjoyed and, and, it. And now, but I feel like someone who said it was garbage, I would be like, "You're not wrong," but I loved <laughs> it. So I, I don't feel like it deserves more credit than it gets. Um, do I think poor people should watch it though? Yeah. So do you think this movie should be considered good or do you think it does deserve more credit? I don't think it deserves more credit. I think it is in, it is a pretty funny horror comedy movie. Maybe not the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's another question I have for you. Now, for our listeners, these movies are very similar. Uh-huh. Which one did you have more fun watching? Sorority Babes or Nightmare Sisters? Um, Nightmare Sisters. I remember that girl collected, like, all that stuff. Um, but what was, like, they... Oh, they turned into... They turned into the succubi. That's right, because they had that... Um, the crystal ball, and they were cursed by the demon thing. Honestly, I feel like I enjoyed uh, Sorority Babes more. That is interesting, because I remember I asked you this question once before, and you said Nightmare Sisters. I think the second viewing changed my mind. I still lean towards Nightmare Sisters. I... I 
used to think that, and now if we rewatch Nightmare Sisters, I might change my answer back. Yeah. Um, but I got a pretty. I liked. Um, I forget her name, but the Spider Girl. I liked her character Linnea more in Quigley. this. Oh, yeah. Instead of the three pretending to be like the nerdy, yeah, that, girls. That was that was stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. You, I think not that's Linnea one of the, Quigley. She. That's. I mean, I guess she did a good job, but. I think the three of them did a, as good of a job as they were capable. Of. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I still loved it. Yeah. Yeah. They're both very enjoyable movies. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say about this one. Uh, if you're wondering what can we learn about relationships in this one? Nothing. You nothing. Can learn nothing. There's no redeeming. Maybe don't wish for people to have sex with you. <laughs> right. Because you remove their agency. Right. So are we saying also, con- consent is key or something? <laughs> This isn't a movie, or I mean, this isn't like a relationship lesson. This is just a life lesson. A life lesson you can learn from this movie is if you release an imp and then catch him again, do not leave him in a canister in the middle of the parking lot on the sidewalk of a mall because somebody will open it and the story will continue. You know what a subtle joke that I enjoyed from this movie? that. I guess it's a joke to me, but maybe like this was a real thing back in the day. But the side of the can says Prince Albert on it. Yeah. You know, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Yeah. I don't know what that joke is referring to. I don't know either. But they had a can that said Prince Albert. So, you know, Uh, supposedly there's a sequel to this movie coming out. Uh, I am definitely gonna watch that. Oh yeah, we're for sure. Do you think watch that's it. gonna be like purposefully bad, purposefully yeah. good? Purpose- See, like it's hard to say because the three original girls are coming back, right? And it's being directed by Brink Stevens, so who knows? Who knows? I, I'm I'm excited to watch it. Um, I don't think you can have horror comedy today in the same way that you did in the eighties. Yeah, no, because I the thing is, and I, I this is something that I've been, has been an ongoing discussion. The movies today, at least those that try to emulate the feeling of like the eighties, there's just something not there. It yeah. doesn't have the same spark. Absolutely. And I think it's because they're trying too hard to chase the feeling of what the eighties were, mm-hmm. rather than they're trying to recreate it rather than experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just an era that is gone and we need to work Move on up. original ideas. That would be another interesting podcast, but maybe people don't really want to listen to us talk about that, but I'd like to listen to a podcast on it. The, the history of comedy and horror and how that has progressed over the years since it does date back so far. Yeah. What did that look like in the 1940s versus what did it look in the 1980s versus early 2000s? I just feel like that'd be very interesting. That would be very interesting. We might have to discuss a future podcast on that. That would be cool. Uh, as always... We do not have social media, so head over to ajourneyintofilm.com and tell us your comments, thoughts, and concerns about uh, how can you tell the difference between a bad movie and a horror comedy, especially during the 80s. 
Uh, give us all of your thoughts because we want to know. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us some reviews or hit that subscribe button if this is the first episode. Hey, if this is the first episode, welcome. We hope you enjoy other episodes. And uh, you can get merch over on Tee Public. So go check that out. We got new t-shirts up. I want a t-shirt that uh, has a quote from a movie that we've done. Yeah, we need to design a cool shirt instead of just keep putting our podcast logo on shirts. Yeah, let's do a cool one. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Uh, Anyways, uh, we're going to do Frankenhooker next. Woohoo! And we will uh, see you guys next week. Have a good week.